Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. So, Shui, I'm not going to say anything about how long we're going to go with this segment because we proved to stuff that up last week. It'll be a non-predetermined Indeed, it will be as time. long as it will be. Yes. Yeah, a little bit going on in the NBL this week. We're obviously seeing a lot more games being played. Cairns finally played after about seven years. Yeah, yes, I caught the seven, second half of that today. Seven years off, basically. Yes, indeed. Well, it was it was New Year's Eve the last time they played, mm. so nearly a whole month. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that loss to the Wildcats. Yeah. So did want to talk about a few of the teams today, and, and we'll kind of talk about the other teams by proxy, but kind of wanted to talk about Illawarra, Sydney, Melbourne United, and South East Melbourne. So we'll start off with the Hawks. Very interesting weekend for them. Oh, bizarre. So an 11-point win over Adelaide, but unfortunately for them, they managed to blow a pretty comfortable lead against the Wildcats to lose by, I think it was 16 in the end. Oh, it was remarkable. Tale of two halves and then also a half of a quarter because it was kind of a <laughs> yeah. bit crap after the first for them, wasn't <laughs> pretty it? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, interesting one. It's it's a, one of these weekends where I think it actually has more questions than answers for the Hawks. I mean, yes, the story of Harry Froling shooting the lights out against Adelaide is awesome. I really hope Harry Froling continues playing well. Yes, the story of Tyler Harvey shooting the ball well is great. I've not been high on him. I know no. that. But I also have said that I hope he comes good. But this game is against Adelaide. Yes, they beat the Wildcats a couple of weeks ago, but they were coming off COVID. Their only other two wins are against Tasmania and New Zealand, who are both at the bottom Seller of the ladder. Dwellers, yeah. yep. Right now, Adelaide is not a good team. Dusty Hannah's played less than 14 minutes off the bench. Yeah, that's huge to have an import that was starting at the start of the season to play that little. He That's took massive. less shots than Kay Soto in yeah, that game. Massive, massive. Uh, he's on the chopping block. I said it at the start of the season. Oh, yeah, we both again. did. Uh, it's, it's just tricky in these times to find a replacement, but mm. you, they might need to, yeah. And, and they're having issues defensively as well. I mean, how many of Froling's threes were wide open? The guy's like five from five from deep. They're just daring him to shoot and he just kept hitting it. Yeah, here's a thought. Don't dare a guy who's shooting 100% to keep shooting. Do you reckon they're missing Keanu Pinder a little bit? He looked really good defensively today for Cairns. Yeah. He, granted, it was a loss to Southeast Melbourne, but he, he did a lot of good things in that second half, I thought. I just think they're missing a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, they're missing Isaiah Humphreys. That doesn't help. Huge. So, yeah, it's unfortunately for Adelaide, they're just not an amazing team. Look, Sunday Detch coming back is a good addition. Certainly will, will help them defensively. Massive defensively. Yeah, huge. But then what are you taking away on the offensive end? So it's... it's Hannah's. <laughs> He's yeah, not doing anything. Exactly. So that's, that's where the minutes have come from. And so the question out of this one is around Froling's big night. Is it just putting a Band-Aid over the fact that Duop Reith got injured and didn't return? Well, it's next man up, I guess, isn't it? He took uh, most of his opportunity. Hmm. But we don't know what's happening with Duop Reith. So... Yeah, it was hard to tell, wasn't it? It was a lower back or a side strain. It was... Yeah, so Cam Bairstow has kind of slipped a screen, got a bit of inside position. Reith's come backing back in to try and get position back. And he's kind of hit the lower part of his back on Bairstow's hip. So you don't know whether it is a back issue, which could keep him sidelined for a while. And look, is Harry Froling going to shoot that well every game? No, of course not. I don't think so. No, but they, they, they're big. They've also got Ogilvy, So they can actually weather a big man going down more than most teams in the competition. They can. I mean, Reef is amazing and he was my MVP pick, but they can weather it. Hopefully it's not too long for them. Mm, yeah. I think be, this is going to be a very interesting period for Illawarra. It'll be testing. They have a lot of home games coming up though. They do. So that will help. They do. But you look at a lot of the stuff that's going on with the Hawks and we, we fast forward to the Wildcats game. And you know, this was a real opportunity for Illawarra to send a statement to the rest of the league and blow Perth off the court. Another slow start for the Wildcats gave them 
ample opportunity to, to put them away early. Yep. Yep. So third straight game for Perth where they've been dominated in an opening quarter. Yep. Absolutely looking dead to rights, Perth. And look, Illawarra's defense started off great. Antonius Cleveland was basically looking like an MVP candidate. Xavier Rathan Mays was the same. Their menaces in the passing lanes, yeah, with their length and athleticism. But they took their foot off the pedal. Yeah, I, it was inexplicable. It really was. Look, we know how awesome Vic Law is. We've watched it every game so far. But if he starts cooking, why wouldn't you start doubling off guys like Luke Travers or Kevin White or Mitch Norton and say, if these guys beat us with jump shots, so be it. You tip your hat. Kevin White's kind of relegated to the end of the bench now, almost, isn't he? Yeah. Interesting to see how Mitch will go as well. I still feel like the rotation isn't settled in the Wildcats camp. Mm. Maybe Norto's still a bit injured. Yeah. But the funny thing is they did start leaving people open. Bryce Cotton and Todd Blanchfield. Yeah, yeah, Blanchfield played really well. They leave the wrong guys open. Yeah, right? Blanchfield in his limited minutes this season has been excellent. Just nailing threes left, right and centre. Yeah. yeah, but also getting to the basket. He had a nice dunk off a feed from Jesse Wagstaff. He did, he did. Hitting a few, few of those mid-range, those little one-handed The one-hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I said, this was a chance for Illawarra and they rolled over. Harvey was five of 18 in this one, one of nine from three. He still played 38 minutes though. When you're shooting the ball that badly and your coach is putting you on the floor for 38 minutes, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Your star point guard, yeah. But you've got guys like Emmett Nah and Isaac White on the bench who are just afterthoughts. Like, they sub White in with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's too late. The game's gone. Well, it was interesting in the halftime chat that Gorge, and he was like, I've got to extend my rotation. I know that, and I acknowledge that. So that was interesting because he has had the, the shortest rotation of any team in the comp. So and, with and, COVID and all the stuff that's going on. And this is why I'm worried about them. Because yeah. well, all yeah. of a sudden guys they have are getting the horses. But guys are getting thrust into positions that they, they're not ready for. So yeah, we'll kind of get to see. I mean, even against Adelaide, you take out Harry Froling and they get 16 points from their bench. So yeah, and, and you kind of you can put Froling into the starting five because Reith only played 10 minutes. But it's I don't know. I'm just Every week, I feel like I have more questions and more concerns about Illawarra than I did the week before. I still think they'll come good, but every win is like gold in this competition and you don't want to be blowing those home games. Yeah. So, yeah. This is it. What are they, four and three now? So, I don't know. I mean, they're not going to miss the four. Don't get me wrong. I'm not concerned about them missing the No, that would be very surprising. But it just worries me in a three-game series against a Melbourne United or Perth or whoever it happens to be. Brisbane. Yeah, you just don't know. Just don't know. Brisbane, I don't think are going to make it. They are. Just... Well, the pro- the problem is they beat the good teams and they lose to the crap teams. Mm. That's Brisbane's problem. Well, They're, they'll be on that bubble though, definitely. I think maybe we move on to the two Jekyll and Hyde teams then, who just happen to play each other in a home and away over the weekend. I mean, you have got Sydney and Brisbane, Jekyll and Hyde. It's these are the two most frustrating teams in the entire league. And Sydney finally got a win, which is good to see. Yeah, well, look, we'll we'll start with Sydney though, I guess. I mean, they played Brisbane twice, as we said. In the first game, the old Violet Crumbles came out, and it's disappointing. Sixteen points up at quarter time, they wasted the best version of Jalen Adams we've seen, and it's just it's stupid stuff. They're losing sight of the ball on a back cut. They're drifting away from shooters, guys that are shooting beautifully. I mean, okay, Jason Kadee and Steph Curry have kind of swapped bodies in the last week. <laughs> Seriously. Kadee has hit a rich vein of form, hasn't he? Yeah, eight of 15 from yeah. three across their two games this weekend. It's weird, but the Kings just threw this one away. Like, thanks to the boys at the Pocket Podcast. Appreciate them bringing this to the world's attention on Twitter. Sean Bruce, nearly 24 minutes of action. <laughs> Joseph will find any excuse to bag. Yeah, kick, kick, <laughs> kick a bloke while he's down, but fair enough. 
No points, no assists, no rebounds, no steals, no blocks, one turnover and a minus 18 in the plus minus. Yeah, not good. It, as I said, Jalen Adams played out of his skin, 33 Yeah, points. yeah, that was his best game, definitely. And Huge. As I said, it just after quarter time, Sydney just they just took the foot off the accelerator the same as Illawarra did. And they don't execute down the stretch. They're incapable of executing down the stretch. Unless they have a nice giant lead like they did in their win. In the second game, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and this is what's so weird. Two days later, they come out and stomp the same Brisbane team. They got stuff out of Dayan Vasiljevic. They got contributions from Adams and Jarrell Martin. This time they were ruthless. They had the lead. They put the, the foot on the neck and basically snapped it. But the questions are still going to continue around the consistency of this Sydney team. Oh, of course. But not just in the, the way they play, but the effort. It's the effort category. We know they're talented. We know they're good enough to be a top four team. But do they want it enough? Well, they need more effort with guys like Jordan Hunter out. So, and they're down an import too. I'm, I'm going to use a parallel. Jesse Wagstaff. He is 35 going on 36. And he will still step in and take a charge on every play. Yes, he's got more flop warnings than anyone in league history. <laughs> Apart from maybe Sean Redditch, his former team. Well, that's true. <laughs> but he will still step in and take a charge on every single play. Would a bench player for Sydney like a Tom Vodanovic or an Angus Glover do the same every night? I don't know. I love Angus Glover. So. Uh, yeah. And look, he had yeah, a decent but- couple of games, but you just like, are they going to No, the, the effort's huge. And as I say, the margin for error when you've got big names out, including a rim protector in Jordan Hunter, it's, yeah, you've got to play hard. And look, Sydney, we can't really speculate on their new import until they sign them, but it, it will be very interesting to see which direction they go once they finally sign one. And for Brisbane, it's the same story. They, okay, they give up a big lead in the first quarter of the first game and they come roaring back. They play this beautiful final three quarters of basketball. Sobey's in good form, isn't he? Yeah, look, Sobey's playing great basketball. Kadee, as I say, is starting to shoot well. Patterson's been a little bit down. I think I'm a bit worried that he's kind of fading off. He's almost as inconsistent as the team, I think, actually. Yeah, he kind of is. He's He's kind of the barometer, yeah. 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 And, And this is it. Then they just basically come out and shit the bed when they go to Sydney. It's the same team. You've played them 48 hours ago and you've beaten them. How you can rock up to Sydney and just play that poorly, I don't understand. We do quickly need to talk, though, about the Xavier Cook's ejection. So this rule, and we, we spoke about a stupid rule earlier in the NFL. Yes. This one's not quite as bad, but it's pretty bad. A technical foul and an unsportsmanlike foul equals an ejection. How ridiculous is that? It's a particularly ridiculous because they've been so quick on the trigger finger with the text this season. Oh, There's the been some really bad... Well, yeah, and the end, well, they, yeah. I mean, you've, you've always been... I've always saying- hated... They've actually got better with the unsportsmanlike over the last couple of years, to be honest. But it's a bit rough, isn't it? It is rough. Well, it is. If you get a technical foul early and you mistime a reach on a semi-fast break, you're yeah. gone. Yep. That, that's not deserving of being tossed from a game. Yep. And I, and, and, so, and some of the some of the intentional fouls that are called, they're not Grayson Allen levels of intentional foul. They're no. fairly innocuous. They just happen to be on a fast break. And, and I think that's the difference. If you were saying a technical foul and the NBL equivalent of a flagrant, fair enough. I can kind of get behind that. But if you're talking about, yeah, a guy has got a steal and you've instinctively... Wrapped him, yeah. Re- yep. well, if you've, if you've just, just reached, instinctively yeah. reached in to take the ball away and they're going to call that every time now if you've already got a tech and it could be a really piss weak tech you might have done something stupid and gone ah oh, fuck it and the ref texts you well, you know that that is that is a really poor decision in terms of getting someone thrown out of a game and Xavier Cooks early in that game that could be the turning point and why Brisbane won the game I don't know 
Just, well, he's a big player to be missing. He, he is. So. Yeah, and he does a lot. And and he he can rim protect. So if they lose him, it's huge. Mm. It's huge. This is where I think the Americans have got it right. Two techs will get you thrown out or two... I mean, I don't want to go to the whole you know, flagrant one, flagrant two sort of thing, but... Oh, I'm actually okay with that system. A two th- I prefer that system. Yeah, a two throws you out or two ones. Yeah. So it's an accumulation of any value equaling two in the unsportsmanlike. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. So yeah, I can kind of deal with that. I mean, even if you say like, Two unsportsmanlike fouls and you're thrown out. Yep. And if that means you've reached once and you got caught, you don't do it again. Yeah. Speeds the game up. So, yep. yeah, not great. Melbourne United, geez, they're looking good. Seven in a row. It just someone steps up every single game. So they've played Adelaide. Now, again, I've, I've said over this, this last sort of few minutes, yes, a win against Adelaide doesn't mean that much, but it's how they won it. You got three points from Matthew Delavadova. You got six points from Caleb Agata, and they win by 21. And that's after Delhi had a 30. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? it, it is. It's crazy. Ariel Huckporty. Yes. He has taken a huge leap in these recent weeks. He was an absolute beast in this game. Oh, he, he was even looking impressive in the blitz. So I'm not at all surprised he started to perform even better. Yep. But they've started using him properly. And we know this. What is the biggest thing that he has going for him? Athleticism. Absolutely. Yeah. You throw him a lob at the top of the square... He'll go up and get it. Oh, of course. He'll he'll eat it up. And they had two really good examples. Like Shay Illy threw one of the passes. I can't remember who threw the other one. It might have been Illy as well, but two really, really great lobs that have just been up just a little bit higher than what the Adelaide players can get. And the power that that man possesses, he is a unit and he's just, boom, just throwing it down. It's... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him climbing the draft boards potentially. And look, there's even some other guys. Like, as I said, Shay Ely was excellent. Okay, he only had seven points and seven assists, but... No, he's a good role player. You need role players. But 100% shooting, only one turnover. And he plays good too. And, yeah. and he does. Yeah. New York Nick Brad Newley turned up. <laughs> Seriously, he was awesome. <laughs> 10 points, he's out running the lanes. Like, he looked like Brad Newley from a few years ago. JLA, Joe Luala Chul, absolute beast. And fucking Chris Goulding taking threes while he's not even facing the right way. It's... Oh, he's, I mean... He's that guy. He's a freak. He? Yeah, he is. So, look, when they're playing like this, I think they might be unbeatable. I don't, I don't think there's a team that can stick with them. I think we underestimated way. them. Oh, massively. Yeah. I'm the first yeah. to put my hand up and say yeah. I, I'm massively And look, it, it is hard. with Guys like Huck Porty are hard to kind of know. We didn't anticipate his impact. Of course. We didn't. But they're a very well-balanced team and they've got guys like Jack White as well. So, that yeah, that, they have a very good roster. They're well coached. I think we just misread how well they would mesh so, yeah. so quickly. Yeah. So, look, and they had some injuries at the start of the season too. Maybe we overestimated them, but yeah. No, yeah. full credit to United. They look brilliant. On the flip side, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, really interesting point Liam Santa Maria made on overtime today. The Phoenix haven't really got that signature win yet. Well, neither Melbourne team has played Perth yet, for example, have they? So that'll be interesting to see when those matches happen. True. But with United, for example, like they punched Sydney by 42 and they beat Illawarra. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they've got that signature. Yeah, yeah. Perth knocked off the Hawks after trailing big time. The Hawks beat Sydney away. I guess you could say that's a decent win. The Phoenix haven't got anything, though. And I'll tell you what, they didn't look all that impressive today against Cairns, who were missing Machado and Noy. Mm. So, okay, they they had Joe Chi out. Granted, he's a pretty important piece for them, but they probably should have handled Cairns a bit better. And look, this is where Brandon Ashley becomes quite an important pickup. He was able to step in. 
had a, a reasonable game with 12 and 4. He was handy. He did foul out, but he had a pretty important tip dunk fairly late in the game. He had a block. So, yeah, no, he looked good. Yeah. And this is where the whole sort of sneaky under the radar Mitch Creek MVP stuff. Creek played bloody well. He, he was a man on a mission in that second half. Like, if you look at his numbers, he's averaging 22 points a game, three assists, and 4.8 rebounds is a bit low. But again, they've got a pretty decent rebounding team in terms of having Joe Chi there, having a lot of the, the smaller guys that can come in and pick up those rebounds. So I'm not too worried by that. It's more the points, I think, that are important. Oh, yeah. No, no. He played very well today. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, this is the thing. I mean, the Phoenix really need to pick up one of those sort of impress me wins whether it be beating Perth, whether it be beating an Illawarra away, beating a fully charged Melbourne United. I mean, they played them without Golding, so yeah, yeah, that yeah. doesn't mean as much. Yep. So, yeah, it, it's a really interesting time coming up for the Phoenix. They've, they've got a couple of big games coming up in the next month. And then just quickly to round out the NBL, Kay Soto. So great to see the big Filipino getting some time now. He's making the most of his time. Six points and nine boards against Melbourne, 12 and five against Illawarra. No Isaac Humphreys for a while, so this is the time to really bring him in and see what the young fella can do. The, the, the season has officially started now for Kay Soto. And just quickly, Stewie, I saw a number of other block charges challenged but upheld, unsurprisingly. <laughs> so if you're going to do a coach's challenge, the block charge is pretty rarely going to be overturned. Unless you're New Zealand. Now, in the NBA, some pretty big flagrant fouls and <sighs> maybe not enough suspensions. And then we have another case as well that might have necessitated a suspension. That one's really bizarre. But let's start with the flagrant fouls. Well, we'll start off with the slightly less severe of the two. So Taylor Horton Tucker has basically taken Jalen Suggs completely out of midair. This one didn't look particularly great, even though it is the better of the two. Now, Suggs has already missed 21 games this season. Keep that in mind. He's turned the corner from the top of the key and looked to throw one down on Horton Tucker, but a clash of arms and Suggs has basically landed on his back really hard. There was a slight follow-through from Horton Tucker after he'd already got a lot of ball, which I didn't think was kind of that necessary. I mean, what do you think of this Uh, one? These ones are so tricky because they're so bang-bang, aren't they? Like They they happen in such a split second. I don't think there was malicious intent there. It it didn't look great and he landed hard, but I don't think Horton Tucker was trying to be too dodgy there. He did put his hands up straight away to sort of say, did not mean to do that. So yeah, I I think that one's okay. Look, it's a flagrant one just more so because of the landing than anything. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate, I think. The most unfortunate thing is those stupid orange uniforms that Orlando... Why do teams have so many fucking uniforms? And why were they not yellow or blue? Do you know the awesome thing, though? The very next game against Chicago, Suggs turned the corner, went up the exact same way and dunked over oh, the Rosen. It was magnificent. You gotta love youth. Huge. You gotta love them. Now, the worst one of the two involves good friend Grayson Allen. And, and said, funnily and, enough, the Bulls, speaking yes. of DeMar DeRozan in the previous case. Yeah. Very, very true. So Alex Caruso has taken a pass on a break, goes up for a layup, and Grayson Allen appears to go for the block with his left arm. Now, he's caught Caruso's arm, spinning him around, but it appears that Allen's right arm is kind of swatted down on him, which has caused Caruso to spin more in the air and land on his wrist and his side. Allen was ejected. Caruso will miss at least the next four to eight weeks with a broken wrist. Yeah, Chicago all of a sudden have these major injury troubles. Now, this is a guy in Allen who has a long history of tripping guys, throwing in cheap shots. Oh, he was a douchebag at Duke. In college, he was a douchebag. So it, it extends 
pre-pro career. Yeah, it's been a while since he's done anything dirty like this, but it, it's... He doesn't really... get enough court time. Well, well he's, he's been starting... <laughs> no, I know, I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating it's, a bit. Yeah, but... it, it's so hard to defend this. And to me, though, it's it's the right arm. It's not so much the left. The left is going for the block and unfortunately gets hooked. It's the right arm pushing down. It's the swing. momentum, yeah. You yeah. really throw a guy... Well, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, but... We don't like suspensions or punishments to be doled out based on outcome. It should be based on intent. Mm, true. So the fact that Caruso did get this pretty horrible injury that will hurt the Bulls season pretty badly, it's got to be said, because he's been playing really well. Yes. I think the intent is what needs to be looked at when you're looking at the suspension. One game is... Do you, eh, think, do, do you think it's enough? I don't know. It's tricky, isn't it? Well, it is, because all the Bulls fans will argue, well, Caruso's going to probably miss 20 games. So how exactly is that fair? I think a couple. Yeah, maybe maybe more than one. It's, maybe two. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It is tough. It is tough. But to add insult to injury, the Milwaukee Bucks Twitter person posted a picture of Allen holding a donut the next day with the caption, good morning. Yeah. Chicago Bulls Twitter person responded, seriously? Like, yeah, that's all they said, seriously? Yeah, like, good on them. That's, yeah, that's not, a lot. Not cool at all. Speaking of not cool, David Vanterpool is a name I bet most people have never even heard of. Yeah, I had to think about this, Dewey, because I put this on the list, but I didn't put his name down. That was a really bizarre one. Really bizarre. So for people who've missed this, a massive moment in the Nets game against Washington. Less than six minutes to go. It's a six-point game. Spencer Dinwiddie tries to pass the ball to Kyle Kuzma in the corner. Vanterpool had his hand up. Now, I don't know if he was sort of giving directions. He or... touched it intentionally. But he's deflected the ball and... Shock horror, it ends up in a turnover in the Nets regain possession. I reckon he touched it intentionally. Well, the Nets won the game by a point. Yeah. So So all the Wizards are gesticulating saying, hold on, he's touched it. Like, this shouldn't be happening. It should be a tech. Or more, really. Like, I, I, it was, it was, do you know what it was reminded me of? The umpire Peter Kerry marking a ball in the footy. Yeah, a little bit. So it was an intentional act in the heat of the moment, if that makes sense. So obviously an umpire doesn't go on the field to mark a footy and an assistant coach doesn't stand on the sideline to intentionally hit a ball. But as a ball came near him, his instinct was to reach out and touch it, I think. I've got a better parallel. Okay. It's the Mike Tomlin, Jacoby Jones incident from a while back where Jones was fielding a punt and taking it down the sidelines and Tomlin was standing basically inbounds at the time. Yeah, that was a bit dodgy. So it's. A I don't know what the outcome of that one was, but this one, I don't know. Should it be a suspension? Like, well, it ne- wasn't that inadvertent. I don't know. It felt to me like he did it on purpose. Yeah, so Vanterpool was fined $10,000. The, the Nets were fined $25,000. I think a suspension is probably fair. Yeah. I mean, they always talk about the coaches being back in their boxes. Well, the assistant coaches shouldn't be that close to the, no. the sidelines. And in a close game, not and, good. And as we said, it directly impacted the result of the game. A one-point game, honestly. It's, yeah, it's disappointing. It is. Quick bowl bowl update. <laughs> we spoke about his... <laughs> trade last week or the second Standing item, and uh yeah he's out for eight to 12 weeks with foot surgery so maybe the detroit doctor was right after all <laughs> oh yeah so Stuart, as i mentioned at the top unfortunately by getting my booster i felt pretty crap for a day and it did mean that it derailed my editing efforts a little bit but the good thing was that i had the day off so i got to watch a lot of sport and catch up on a lot of sport and i just jagged that clippers denver game what a amazing game that was like from pillar to post great close game and then, of course, going to OT and Jokic getting his triple-double. He didn't get his 50. He ended up on 49. But getting his triple-double on the pass that led to the three-point 
shot. What a pass! Too. Oh, it was it was fantastic. The, the vision that that guy has and the skill that he has at that size. But I reckon he knew what he was doing all along. He was waiting for that double to come and then chucked it over into the corner. Yeah. I think it was just kind of react to where the open player was. Yeah. And it just so happened to be Aaron Gordon. And, and he and hit he that three. It was just... a big clutch three and great game. Oh, Crazy scene after that, though, and it was something that the camera kind of missed, was one of the reserves for Denver thinking, yes. thinking the game was over. Yes, ran right onto, onto the, the court. court. And so a tech foul was given. It goes to a two-point game instead of a three. And Reggie Jackson basically rimmed out, rimmed out yeah, a three yeah. that would have won the game. Oh, it was a great game. It was a classic and a good result for Denver. And the same day, Embiid had a 50, 50 in like 27 minutes or something. It yep. wasn't long at all. Mm. So, yeah, there's that that constant kind of who's better, Jokic. Oh, I think it's Jokic. Oh, I, I would take Jokic over Embiid. Mm. Well, also because Embiid's a bit of a douchebag. But, geez, you'd be happy with either of on your team. You would be very happy. Yeah. Couple of quick crazy stats to round out this one. Always. Everyone talking about Steph Curry being an MVP candidate, funnily enough. But amazingly, Russell Westbrook is actually shooting a better percentage than in this season. Well, Russell Westbrook has more all-star votes than Chris Paul does. So there you go. Oh God. Freaking Lakers fans. Did you see that one foot brick off the backboard that was doing the rounds on social media by Westbrook? Which, it was the worst shot. Which one? Oh, God. As a Thunder fan, I've dealt with a lot of those. Oh, it was terrible. I've dealt with ones where he's blocked himself with the ring, <laughs> gone up for a layup and basically hit his wrist <laughs> off the ring and it's bounced backwards. Oh, so, not good. Not good. And not NBA, but a really good one to round things out. Caitlin Clark for Iowa the other day had back-to-back 30-point triple-doubles for the first time ever in Division One basketball history, men's or women's. She is a name to watch on those draft Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, huge. Mm. And I do have an NBA one, speaking of the all-star stuff. Kyrie Irving also has more votes than a lot of people, and he's barely played, which is ridiculous. And Clutch Sports were saying, vote for Ben Simmons. Why don't we just vote for Magic Johnson? Well, I mean, this is how the Wiggles get number one on Hottest 100. People vote stupid stuff, don't they? Vote for Paul Arizon. Vote for Methuselah. But it's another reason why I just don't yeah. like the All-Star game. And Let's... thank God they've dialed back the percentage of the fan vote a little bit because it's ridiculous. Let, let the media do it. And there was a funny one, did you see? Um, oh, I was really sly. So how's this? All Things Mavs did a tweet. Retweet this if you believe that hashtag Ja Morant deserves to be an NBA All-Star, also with the hashtag more than Luka Doncic deserves to be an NBA All-Star. Let's vote Ja Morant into the NBA All-Star game, not Luka Doncic. Now, votes count based on hashtags. But what this cheeky little bug has done, instead of O in Morant, he's used the number zero. And so anyone that retweeted it wasn't actually voting for Morant. They were voting for Doncic. And Mark Cuban himself also retweeted that one. So And look, he would. He's he's the owner. He would. But that's pretty devious, hey? That is incredibly devious. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this Sport Blokes segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sport Blokes.